Live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island, it's Cofield and Company. It's Friday, Friday, gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend. Friday, Friday, getting down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. Partying, 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 partying. Yeah! All right, here we go. Five o'clock hour. Oh, the weekend is almost here. No more work, right, John? Nope, nope. We got to watch football. That's uh, that's not work. Uh, covering some football tomorrow. UNLV taking on Bryant season opener. It's been a long fall camp, John. It's been a long fall camp. Watching oh, yeah. watching guys <laughs> kill themselves getting ready for the football season. That was grueling, wasn't it? But game tomorrow. Coverage here on ESPN Las Vegas, the home of Rebel football and Rebel men's basketball. Maybe some Rebel women's basketball this coming season, but. Uh, Learfield UNLV pregame show will start tomorrow at noon. Extended pregame show, getting an hour to get you ready for the game. So Caleb Herring and Russ Langer will be on the pregame along with um, Wa, And then I will bump over to TV and be doing the uh, analysis work on the TV side of things on the Silver State Sports and Entertainment Network. So college football here in town in Vegas. You can get your tickets at UNLVtickets.com. And if you have not been to Allegiant Stadium, it is fantastic. So... Get out there tomorrow, watch some college football. We're tracking college football being played on a Friday night in week one. Miami of Florida is up 10-0 on Miami of Ohio. We got Hawaii and Stanford that we want to talk about oh. a little later on. Cool. Can't wait. Uh, we just had Derek Stevens on. Derek, of course, the owner of Circa and the D, and very much involved in the uh, revitalization, resurgence of downtown he's got his two contests which are really cool they're also hyper aggressive at times at posting some prop bets i am intrigued by the prop bet that mike palm vp at circa threw out there on an iowa radio show over under average points per game on the season for iowa football 25 and as you mentioned i had forgotten about that what a weird deal with a clause in an OC's contract for incentives that the offense needs to average twenty five points per game. By, by the way, is that is that only, what is that what was holding him back? I mean, maybe. And I mean, go ahead and say what you're going to say. Only twenty five points a game. I know. In two thousand twenty three college football. Yep. That's nothing. Yep. <laughs> that's that is such a minuscule bar to leap over. And that's why when I looked at. And I know you asked some questions about Cooper Lagab, but I think he's going to be a good quarterback for Utah State. Your questions are kind of leadership and communicator. He was a he was when we talked to him at Mountain West Conference Media Day. I'll uh, maybe I'll sanitize before you even say it. He's he's an interesting guy. He's a bit of a space cadet. It's a very very old term, but I don't think that means he can't run an offense because he did last year when he needed to at times. I've I've only been like. You ever like you know when you read books sometimes, and like they describe what? the person in the book, yeah. and the, like as they're looking through you yeah, because they're yeah, not really paying good. attention. Cool. Cooper Lega is the first person that has ever looked through me when I spoke to him in person. Like I, he was, it was I don't know how to describe the experience. I mean, we asked him about the divisions getting abolished, and he's like, "Oh, yeah, I don't know." 
<laughs> it was like, wait, that was kind of what? Yep. Was like, wait a minute, what? And that was it. That's yeah. it, like his only reaction. He's yep. like, oh, okay. All right. And I, I will admit that in my mind, as I sat across from him, I was like, this dude makes split decisions <laughs> and reads defenses at a Division One level, and he does. So are you saying he's going to succumb to the, uh, the pressure and noise at Kinnick? I mean – it's a pretty good defense he's facing. What's that number now? Is it twenty three and a half? It was it was twenty four. I laid twenty three and a half. You laid it? Yeah. Oh, you really are against Cooper Lagan. <laughs> it, it might be because of Cooper I think Lagan. I'm gonna go against you on this. <laughs> yeah, it's up to twenty three and a half. I'm i I'm rooting for Coop. Why not? All right, show bet again. You wanna take plus twenty three and a half? No, I don't need I'm not doing a show <laughs> bet. I'm just gonna bet it. I don't, I don't we don't need to bet it on the show. You already got your money. How about down. this? Will Cooper Lega throw at least one interception? Is that a prop? Oh, I mean, I'm sure it is, but I'll, I'll just ask the question. Yes, he will. Okay. All right. That'll happen. I don't I think figure he's going to. figure with this second decision making. No. I don't think he's going to play a clean game. <laughs> so during the break, uh, you and I were just having a discussion about relationships. Uh, we lean on each other for stuff like that. We're very close like that. Um, John is married. I am not. Um, you, you I, think we've, I think we've both been with our, well, I almost said current. Lady friends, about the same amount of time, but it's forever lady friends. Right, John? Yes, forever. Right. And we were talking about the – and this this will connect, I think, with anyone who's in a relationship, male or female, because you could be the person on, on one side or the other. Um, I saw something on TikTok, because that's all I do, um, where the discussion or the point was, the meme was about, hey, let's go out to eat. And – in my case, the SO, the significant other, says, uh, when I ask, hey, where do you want to go? I don't know. And then I reel off nine places, and it's a hard no on all nine. But I mean, what? That's, isn't that everybody has that, right? I don't know. There's is there one balance. side or the other? There's always somebody else. Is there one side or the other that can't make a choice but then always. mixes everything? Always. Really? Well, cause, and you know what drives me nuts? So Isabel will do one, like two things, which drives me insane. The first, one of them is not in any particular order. When I'm suggesting places where I'm asking her, what do you want? She'll, she'll assume that the place I'm suggesting is a place that I want. So she'll immediately go, yeah, let's go there. And I'm like, but that's not what you that's want. That's not going to work. Right. That's not what you want. Don't do that. And then when we go to those places, then comes the second thing that Isabel does, which is she doesn't really want to be there, but she's there. So then she just orders something. And then you can see the look on her face the second she takes a bite. She's like, yeah, this isn't what I wanted. And then we end up having to go to, like, a chicken joint with very good sauce for their tenders on the way home because she has to eat something. I like that you didn't name it. No free pops on the show. No. but, I, but they, By the way, they have those. great chicken tenders here at Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. You should try them. So it, it, is, it is. It is. <laughs> that's funny. It is one of, the, one of the best things. It's very good. And I am a chicken finger maniac. Um, the, well, that point about... She eats something, then you see it on her face, and she's like, I don't like this. I avoid that by, I think, 80% of my meals now. My question, first of all, I, don't, I, I barely look at the menu. I wait for the SO to start to hone things in. Yeah, it's funny. The other day we went out, and she, she was like, she kept talking to other people while she was looking at the menu, and I'm like, what are you getting? Because my whole thing now is 80% of the time we go out, I get a second thing that she, like, she can't decide, so I'm like, I'll just get that. Oh, yeah, that's a good strategy, too. Well, but this, but part of, there is often the case where I'm like, I didn't want either one of these things, yeah. and now I'm sharing them, but, you know. You do what you need to do to keep right. the happiness, and I, I'll always say the fact that I get to walk in 
to our home at the end of a workday, and as I'm opening the door, I'm not thinking, what am I walking into? What the frig is going to happen when I walk in? Because that there are relationships like that where you're like, here we go. I mean, you think that, but it might. I don't. Be, I don't have that. Might so. just be the cats. Um, no, that you know what the cats are a very good distraction. So, I could tell a cat story, but maybe I'll wait for it in the grab bag. <laughs> There's there are there 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 was an incident today, which really wasn't an incident. Um, before we get back to all the college football, I did want to pick your brain on what's going on with Team USA in the FIBA World Cup. Um, Montenegro. Close? Yeah. Okay. Nikola Vucevic plays for him. Okay. That's one guy. Yeah. No, I look, I think, first off, they've gotten off to a ton of slow starts, and it's it been quite like – Well, Anthony, like Anthony Edwards really struggled in the first, right? Yeah. And it, it's been kind of the theme for this this American team. Uh, but Anthony Edwards, to your point, no points in the first half, 0-5 shooting at 17.711 in the second. But I also think that we should realize, and this is a conversation we've had before on this show, the world is getting better at basketball. And you can look at this World Cup as a good example of that. France gets knocked out in the first group stage. Australia was just knocked out. Team Canada, which looked like it was going to be a brilliant, young, talented team, is on the verge of elimination and needs to beat Spain tomorrow or Sunday to stay alive. Like, there's a lot of really solid programs out there around the world that are good at basketball, from Italy to the Dominican Republic to all of this. So I think it's a factor that there is a step up in competition that people aren't really expecting. But I also do, I think it speaks to, look, this is a team that was put together, what are we talking about now, a month ago? And you're still trying to figure out roles. Josh Hart is now in the starting lineup, so I think it's probably par for the course that you're going to see this team scuffle along. But I'll also say this team – I mean, I thought it was an overvalued team coming in. I bet I have a bet on them to be eliminated in the semifinals at oh, six to really? one. Yeah, because that's when they have a really clear path to get to the semifinals. Once you get there, though, the competition is going to step up. You could run into Canada if they stay alive, Spain, any of those teams. It's a really good opportunity to potentially play against the overvalued nature of this team. Okay. So as I mentioned, we got a UNLV game coming up tomorrow for football. We're going to talk to Doug Brumfield. I had a conversation with him earlier this week. That's coming up in about 15. Something we talked about, and, and you just mentioned, you know, uh, a program that is, you know, much bigger, much more historically successful than the Rebels, and that is Miami, the Canes, in South Florida. And you had mentioned during a break, and again, they're up 10 nothing right now, and this is a program that's trying to get back to the old ways, the old winning ways on a high level, 9, 10, 11 wins, compete for national titles. You made a quick remark about the attendance. Oh, yeah. Not great. They struggle to get people in that building. They're in an NFL stadium like UNLV, and they're also – Miami Gardens is about 20 miles away from Coral Gables. Now, that used to be – that wouldn't have mattered in the 80s and early 90s. Right. If they're good you, enough, yeah. they'll come. People, I mean, because it would feed – both of the big counties. You'd feed from both of the big counties there, uh, Dade and Broward. But they don't win at a high, le- high enough level now. And also, I've never really believed that uh, Miami is a little bit like Vegas. Oh. There are so many freaking transplants that you better win. Because you watch Dolphin games, a lot of the people in, in the division for the AFC East, you watch a Patriot, Jet, or Bills game down there, and it's like 30,000 of the opposing fans, if yep. not more. By the way, Tyler Van Dyke just threw an abysmal interception for Miami, too. 
Um, looking great for your bet. Up 10 nothing. I know. I cannot believe I just leaned into a bet, <laughs> and I have to root for Mario Cristobal, who I really don't like, right. and the Canes. Yeah. That's why I like calling people out. I like, that's why I like me. bets. I didn't think it through. Um, Rooting no, against my own interest. So you, I've actually had this thought before. You tell me if I'm crazy. I've actually likened Miami football to UNLV basketball in, in the thought of, like, yeah. At one point, there was there was a very high point for both of those programs. Yep. They had cult life followings. They were awesome. There was a long story, you know, a, a long tradition of success. That's a good comparison. And then they fell off, and now they have all of these thoughts of yesteryear and are keep trying to chase that ghost. When in reality, right, you should accept where you're at and try to build up the proper way. Again, right. they're not perfect similarities, but I think they are yeah, they've somewhat had a, down the same path. They've had a lot of bad coaching hires, and yeah. they've had mismanagement in their admin. So yeah. Both have rappers on the sidelines. That uh, that is that is one of the similarities between Miami of Florida and UNLV. Uh, the other thing that's interesting with Miami is because they got in trouble for recruiting violations, like UNLV, mm-hmm. they couldn't cheat as much as they had in the past. I mean, they had a big thing. What was that guy's name? Is it Neville Shapiro? Where they got? I mean, that's pretty recent. Um, but here's the saving grace for them now. Guess what's here? NIL. And look what it's done to their basketball program. Sure. Like, you got uh, Jim Beheim at the end of his career, and I don't want to call him a loser, but, you know, as a coach, he kind of was. Jim Beheim got so frustrated that his money people wouldn't help him buy players and cheat like he did in the 80s and 90s. They basically cut him off. They told him, no, we're not paying, and you're not going to win? Yep. And then he got frustrated because Miami – their boosters, NIL people, help them buy players, but they won. So the money keeps coming when you win, and now Miami football can do the same thing. Now, you the, now the problem is there's dozens of schools at the table who can also buy players, and you saw it. You know, we keep bringing up this kid at Arizona State, Jaden Rashada. Jaden Rashada, who is from Pittsburgh, California, was going to Miami for a big sum of money in NIL, then Florida outbid Miami to the tune. I think it was like 5 or $6 million. Then something happened at Florida where they're like, eh, we don't have the money. And then there was an open bidding war again for Rashada, and I don't know what ASU gave him in the end, but he landed at ASU. So Miami's, they're back on that front, but they're going to have to build it up. And I go back to the Mario take a while. thing. You can buy me all of the yeah. finest ingredients to cook with. I still got to put them together. And we'll see if Mario Cristobal can do that. Because there was there was a lot of thoughts that last year's team was going to be, at the very least, a nine-win team and challenge for the ACC. Yeah. And they didn't come close to it. I, uh, I also, uh, back to the attendance thing, I wonder if their attendance is way down in terms of younger people. And I don't know enough about their attendance or what filled the, the stadium, say, 30 years ago. Um, I know here in town, and we had talked about this the other day, John, that... Eric Harper, the AD at UNLV, really wanted to push for more high school involvement, a better relationship with the coaching staff and the head coach, with local high school coaches. That was a weakness of Marcus Arroyo. And the RJ actually wrote a story. Of course, you know Alex Wright probably listened to us. I'm kidding. Uh, Alex is one of their prep writers and has covered UNLV before, but there is good feedback from the high schools, and they are expecting a pretty good turnout from high school players and their families so you need that, especially when, when you're trying to compete to get, you know, to get the crowds beyond 25,000 up to 30, 35, and beyond. 
you better get a lot of, better get a lot of locals and you better have young kids and high school kids interested in your football program turning out to fill the stadium. And I already think you're fighting a hard battle there when it's not even just UNLV but anybody, you know, today's day and age when college football is coming over like if you're a real if you're a fan of college football, do you want to go out and do all that stuff, you know, pay for it, parking, getting in, tickets, bring your family, how expensive that's going to be, or do you want to do what a growing number of people are doing, which one of two things? have many TVs at home and sit around and watch at home with whatever you're going to make and do, or go to a spot like a bar, a sports book, anything like that, and take in all the games, like that is becoming more of a popular thing. So it, it's already getting tough to get people into the building. And then on top of that, you got to put forth a good effort because you've got to have actually something to want to come and watch. By the way, I forgot to mention something. That's also funny going back about eight minutes on that Iowa 25 point per game over under bet. Yeah. Do you realize that prop is being put together? You can bet it in Iowa, and Iowa State and Iowa are both embroiled in major betting scandals with their former players. I mean, and so then, so then we've got sports books coming over the top, and they're like, yeah, it doesn't affect us. Let's go. More betting talk. Yep. Well, bet, bet, bet. I don't want to, I don't want to suggest anything nefarious. Brian Ferentz can't hedge against himself. Oh, he's, he's got $112,000 incentive. Oh. He can go to Circa and place a bet on well, the under. and get, get Based on what Dad Kirk said last week where he was like, oh, you know, what about everywhere else that they're betting the games? He actually did pull whataboutism to defend his players who have been in trouble. Like, he's annoyed. And then the greatest part of his comment was, oh, you know, the NCAA needs to look at this. Like, Bruh, it ain't the NCAA. Guys are facing jail time. Iowa officials, well, state government. I kind of understand. Kirk Ferentz has run a squeaky clean program the entire oh. time. There's never that's, been any issues behind joke. the scenes. That's another joke. That's and because, right be, because it's Iowa, they've been able to kind of operate beneath the surface without people noticing. They wave at the kids. What, what they do. Uh, trust me. <laughs> when, you, when you win at, a, at that level in, in college football, you do what you have to do. Right? Of course. So we do it the right way. Or the, the nonsense at Iowa State with Matt Campbell with his, uh, you know, five-star character guys. Turns out they weren't, some of them. Weird, huh? Um, I mentioned how big gambling is, you know, in a place like Iowa where, you know, some of the players have gotten in trouble. Boy, the NFL used to hate us, didn't they? They hated us. Any mention of gambling. Now they are freaking, it is an integral part of the sport. And they're trying to clean up their own players from being dummies. Now, I think some of the rules are a little bit ridiculous where you can bet and where you can't. I hadn't seen this yet. Is our relationship so strong with the NFL now? Are there like, like, can I find a TI, a, a jet slot machine? Maybe not a regional match, but is the NFL being branded on slot machines now? So it's not team specific, but yes, it is an NFL branded slot machine. Wait, the league? Yep, NFL. The shield, branded. The shield itself? The shield. Oh, my God. You can have the shield light up in front of you while you win a million dollars. That is right. Are you serious? They are active. They're now out. They were out. Uh, rolled out on Thursday. They're playable at casinos in uh, Southern California, Oklahoma, Connecticut. They're going to be continued to be distributed in other locations, including Arizona, Florida, Massachusetts, Oregon, and Las Vegas. So amazing. Man, Sal Pal must be rolling over in his grave. And he's still alive. <laughs> Sorry, I was like to have that little pause. I was like, I, I could have sworn I saw you, him on TV. Do you remember that? Remember what happened with Sal Pal? No, refresh I, I, we, I have to say, that has to be like on a hot button. 
or whatever they are, the uh, on our machine there. Um, no, when when the Raiders were announced, whatever it was now, six years ago, five years ago to be coming here, Sal Powell goes on with Mike and Mike and went on and on and on about how awful this was going to be and how they could police the players and, man, it's going to be a lot of trouble. He must, he, like, his mind must be blown. He, my guess is he probably forgot what he said. Yeah. And actually wouldn't even admit to what he said. Like, oh, I was never that naive. Like, you are Sal Powell. Everybody was. Outside this market, of yeah. course. People were freaking out. We knew. As always, Vegas knows. Brumfield drops back, looking, looking, looking. Now he scrambles to the near side. He's going to run on the sideline. He's at the 20-15-10, and he does a toe dance and dives into the end zone for a touchdown. What a scramble by Doug Brumfield. Now back to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. Great call there by the voice of the Rebels football, Russ Langer. Doug Brumfield, touchdown. Uh, Jared, good job putting the show together today. In for DeMond. I looked over at Mateo, and I was like, I'm not going to say anything about Mateo. No. Uh, Mateo always does a great setup here at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. So we're watching college football. Tomorrow we're going to be live watching college football out at Allegiant. Bryant is in town from Rhode Island to take on your Rebels. I almost said Ryan Rebels. Your Rebels. Uh, Doug Brum- uh, Brumfield is the starting quarterback. and I had a chance to talk to uh, Brumfield couple days ago and you know there was no guarantee when you have a, a coaching change from Arroyo to Odom there's no guarantee that a guy who had some momentum going for him in Brumfield was going to stay around and I started off the conversation on that front and asked him hey in that time in between you know Odom getting hired and Arroyo going bye-bye like what was your mindset what were you thinking um you know that was a really sticky time for uh, me and a lot of players here um a lot of uncertainty there were times where I, w- I was unsure, you know, if I was going to return. But, um, you know, I really – I took some time, spoke over it with my parents and my my close loved ones, and, you know, I just felt like the best decision for me at the time was to stay here and play another year. And luckily we got a great coach, a Coach Odom. You know, it made it that much easier to rally guys around and, you know, convince them to stay and just be a part of what we're going we're gonna to build here. So guys got all fired up seeing you as kind of the lead guy, the quarterback. You're staying around now. I want to stay around. Yeah, definitely. I had a. I would say there's a number of guys that were, you know, what are you doing, Doug? And that that kind of played a big part in my decision because I knew like my decision whether to stay or go um, played a, a big part in the future of this program. You know, who's to say if I would have left and how many returners we would have had next year? So, you know, I feel like I had a lot of um, pressure. You know, a big decision on my hands, and I feel like I made the right one for this team. So part of your offseason was going to the Manning camp. Yes. So talk about that and the benefits. Was it a bigger benefit mentally or physically? Um, I would say mentally, you know. Um, you got to see forehand um, how other Power 5 quarterbacks and uh, league quarterbacks, you know, how they just mentally prepare, not only with football, just how they carry themselves and how they go about their day. You know, you get to see that and study these guys and, and learn from them and just being under the Mannings and just getting so much info and just something small as just seeing his – game day preparation, you know, something like that. You can take that along and take that into practice or your own game day, you know. Um, being able to learn from them, is just it was just a great opportunity. I saw you uh, in another interview talk about being a Colts fan, like you were a Peyton Manning fan going back. Are you still a Colts fan? Um, so <laughs> around like eighth grade, uh, ninth grade, the Rams moved to L.A. And I think this is around the same time that Andrew Luck had retired. So um, 
and this is around like after deflate gate and all that stuff so it was a really rough time for yeah. the Colts. so yeah. i was like you know what there's a team in my city now i'm gonna be a rams fan so I oh, you picked the rams mm-hmm. i picked the rams when they moved to um, los angeles so but before that i was a diehard Colts fan andrew luck peyton manning yeah reggie wayne all those guys like i was just well, you guys had no team for a long time in LA. Yeah, that was, and I was a Colts fan because I played for um, the Carson Colts, a Pop Warner oh, that's team funny. in LA. So, like, I was like, of course, like, I got to represent. So, let's talk about Brendan Marion uh, and the go-go offense, and and what he's taught you. He's talked a lot about leadership, which I, I want to get to. But one interesting thing I've seen in practice is uh, even practicing like arm slots. Yeah, is that is that advanced stuff for you? And are you going to be able to use that during games, where you have to throw from different arm slots? Um, it's definitely something that we've worked on before. But I feel like the attention to detail that we've applied this year is, is a lot bigger than before. You know, um, just the ability to ability to be able to stay stationary and just find different spots with your arms, uh, contrary to moving around in the pocket, which may take more time or just may not be available at that that, that time. So um, it definitely adds a, a greater aspect to our game and ability to make throws that normally we may not be able to. You know, watching an interview during the summer, uh, people were asking you. Why are you at UNLV? You know, because, hey, there might be interest from outside of the school. Do you actually take that as sort of an insult and motivation? Like, hey, I need to help get this program to a level where people are like, yeah, UNLV football. 100%. You know, um, I see posts of people just just dogging UNLV or doubting us. But what is they never have an exact reason besides what happened years prior you know they 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 never do their research they never really actually look into a program and and that tends to happen a lot with college football but i feel like you know he just gets the 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 bad end of the stick with that you know and i feel like it's time around where we got to change it you know and we have the opportunity here with coach odom and ourselves to go out there and just perform and change that narrative we're at the starting quarterback for the rebels doug brumfield is with us um we've talked a lot about you getting vocal more vocal you've talked about it um, I want you to talk about that maturation. Do you go back and look at the way you were a couple of years ago? Because I can remember sitting, you know, in front of you as a media person. I'm like, man, he is quiet. But uh, I mean, I guess over the years, it's been drilled into you. You have to speak on the field. It's just part of playing quarterback. Yeah, definitely. Um, at my high school, I really didn't have to be vocal, you know, and it, it worked. You know, guys would just rally around. They kind of just they knew how to follow me without me saying too much. And um, that can just be a geographic thing everyone being from the same area and just being the same way almost but in college you know you got a hundred guys that are from all over around the world all different coaches you have to be able to communicate universally and sometimes people can't read body language so you have to say what you want exactly and you got to be able to get that across to a hundred guys so um that's really been my focus since i came to college is just being able to be vocal and not being afraid to say what you want done you know and I've been afraid to be disliked, you know. I, you know, Michael Jordan, one of the greatest of all time, you know. And some people say he was a um, a jerk, you know. They say he was a jerk to play with, but he got them rings. He got, at the end of the day, their goal was to win, and he got it done, you know. And if I got to be a jerk to get it done, then so be it. Can you cover all on the offense, or does each unit need to have an outspoken person? Does a wide receiver group have to have a spoken leader, uh, you know, O-line or running backs? Um, I definitely can cover the whole offense myself but it, it does help when you have a, a leader in the receiver room and a leader in the line room or a leader in the running back room where you can go and like hey get your guys together or hey ricky you know get the receivers together dropping a lot of balls you know being able to do, to do that is just it makes it easier but i am able to go and 
pull the whole group together and, and talk to everybody like, hey, we're not doing enough right now. We need to pick this up as a whole or bring up the group and only address the O-line just to put them on the spot. You know, I feel like putting guys on the spot and putting that pressure on them makes them work harder, especially when it's from their peers. So I can bring up the whole group and like, O-line, we're not doing enough. Receivers are not doing enough. Quarterbacks, we're not doing enough. We need to pick it up, you know. Um, just being able to do that is just it's, it's a blessing this year. Your dad was one of your coaches, right? So what does he talk to you about now? Um, really, just playing my game. You know, my dad believes that, you know, just don't let nobody get you outside of yourself. Always play your game. Um, he was my little league defensive coach. So whenever I would mess up on offense, he would just tell me, get it right back. You know, yeah, that plays over with, get it right back. And I try to have that mentality on the field now, you know, that plays over with what's next. What is what, what do we need to do next? What do I need to do for the offense or the team next to put us in the best position to win this game? Did you play on his defense? Mm-hmm. What'd you play? DN. Really? Yeah, I played DN. Okay. Yeah. Do you still have sort of that mentality of quarterback or do you have to actually extinguish that a little bit by not putting yourself in jeopardy by having a defensive mindset? I feel like um, earlier on in my career, I definitely had a lot of defensive mindsets, you know, sliding and all that stuff just wasn't in my repertoire, yeah. things to do. Um, I just really wanted to be aggressive all the time. I felt like I needed to overpower everyone and just move people out my way. And as you get older, you realize you're not the biggest guy on the field anymore. You know, there's guys out there 6'6", 280, and you're not moving them out the way, you know. So you just got to be able to finesse and protect yourself. And that's one thing I really focus on this year is just being able to have longevity and playing every game that my team needs me to play in. Where are you on pushing the ball down the field in terms of confidence, connection with the wide receivers? Brennan Marion said, hey, uh, in a press conference last week, for all of these guys in who can run, Doug's got to get them the ball. Yeah, um, definitely confident, you know, um, confident in every situation. I trust Coach Marion to make the right play call, and I trust my receivers to go out to execute and do their 111, and I, I can do my 111, you know. Um, definitely full of confidence in this offense. Uh, the O-line, I know you talked about the progress, but uh, for this audience, I wanted you to mention – you know, this is a group that has three or four new guys who stepped up, new people in new roles. I mean, they have to play together, right? Yeah, definitely. You know, we um, we move some guys around, um, put them in different spots, and, you know, you just have to find the best way to fit those five pieces together and finish the puzzle. Um, and I feel like right now we're, 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 we're touching up to the finishing pieces if not done already. You know, we're, we're still striving for perfection, but I, I feel like the O-line has done an excellent job working together and just – growing as a unit overall and just knowing how to communicate with each other and just having a feel for each other out there and just working in unison almost like a like a dancing like a synchronized dancers you know they just it looks it looks great out there the Grumfield's with us going against the 335 all fall how does it get you ready for conventional defenses um i feel like it just has that one more aspect that a normal defense wouldn't have having that extra that db on the field you know um especially in reads it makes it extra hard in the way we see it a lot is it's the third safety. So most reads you're reading, you're too high, one high, or rotation in. Three safeties, you know, they can almost do both. You know, they can rotate and not at the same time because they have guys. So you just get looks that you normally won't get, and it kind of prepares you and it puts you that one step ahead because now when you get those basic or generic looks, it's almost like vanilla. Like, you know, okay, I'm, I've been making this read plus some all year. You know, now it's it's basic. Now all I got to do is look at one guy instead of two guys. So it just makes it that much easier for you. What do you expect against the Bryant defense? Um, from us or from them? What are they going to attack with? Um, I feel like Bryant likes to do a lot of interior pressures. You know, um, like the their DC is very confident in his play calling and 
um, probably won't go out of his his norm. You know, they do a lot of um, quarters and two man. Um, I don't want to say too much because you yeah. know, but you know, I feel like <laughs> we scouted him really well. Here's yeah, all the secrets. I feel like we have a, a pretty good grip on what to expect out there and just a, a pretty good game plan. What are your goals? And uh, you don't have to name a, a win total, but you guys were five and seven a year ago. Yeah. You played eight games. Uh, you, you got bounced out of two of them. You guys lost four games, one score games. I mean, you were right there to make a bowl game. So expectations kind of turn the corner now. Oh, hundred percent. You know, um, we didn't meet our expectations last year to our, our own standard. And um, I feel like this year we just, we have another opportunity, you know, all 365 days of, pondering about what we did last year and what we didn't do. And I feel like this is our first opportunity here with Brian. And I can sit here and say, oh, yeah, we can win this number or whatever. But the ultimate goal at the end of the day is win every game on our schedule. There you go. Doug Brownfield, quarterback of the Rebels. He is the number one. He's been in a battle the last couple of years to uh, trying to get playing time. So talking to Caleb Herring, who, of course, is uh, the analyst on radio and a former Rebel quarterback himself, John, uh, Caleb thought it was a really big deal that Brumfield Knew he had the job in the spring. Knew he had the job in the fall. And I will tell you from talking to that dude that he does sound a lot different. He does carry himself a lot differently. Um, He has grown up, and we'll see if it plays out on the football field. Um, He's a much more outspoken guy, and coach after coach after coach are like, hey, communication is really important in leadership, and he just carries himself differently now. I I mean, I've talked to Caleb about that standing on the sidelines of practice because, you know, I asked him, I was like, you never really, you never had like the job going in. You never experienced this. And he's like, no, no, not at all. And what a difference that would make for him. And you think about it too, because one of the things Caleb and I talked about, which I think is a valid criticism of Marcus Royal last year, you know, spending outside of the confidence it brings, spending an entire fall camp getting a third of the reps you could probably get as the starting quarterback probably makes a massive difference in terms of the, or on top of having the confidence of having the job, just the actual preparation and workload that you're getting. So it should make a big difference. We're here at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar watching the football games, 55-plus TVs. you got the uh, fish and chip special going down. You buy the fish and chips, you get a free beer, seventeen ninety five, and you get to keep the glass. Tomorrow's a big day, uh, 9A to 11A. Uh, Magnum and Lindsay will be out here with their uh, second throw-the-flag show. Again, 9 to 11 on ESPN Las Vegas. But come on down, you can win some prizes, and there's a ton of football games kicking off at 9 a.m. And then in the afternoon, in the evening, they've got a really cool deal going on out front, 5 to 10 at Sirens Cove. They're going to have the uh, Red Bull Pit Stop Challenge. It's an interactive exhibit. Uh, you'll have a chance to uh, compete or just watch um, as folks will try to expertly change the Pirelli racing tires on a model Red Bull racing car and do it in record time. You can get to use the, the hand drills. I, they don't want me anywhere near any of that stuff. But come on out. Red Bull Pit Stop Challenge right here at Treasure Island, right across the way from the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar at the Sirens Cove. It starts tomorrow at 5 o'clock. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Miami, Florida, 16-3 on Miami of Ohio going to the half. Georgia Tech getting eight? Yeah, seven and a half, eight. Against Louisville? Louisville. Where's that now? Uh, it is now 14-6. to six. Georgia Tech up on top. 
Hello. Just punched in a uh, Hello. one-yard touchdown run. All right, I want to go through. Uh, what's Michigan State? I hear Tony Neville announcing it here at the book. Uh, right now I've got 10-7 halftime. Hello. So, yeah, we're talking about um, a 14-point favorite only up by three. Had to take the lead late. Second half number popping up. Michigan State a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Second half total of 23. Would you bet it? Uh, no. Not from what I've seen. And I haven't watched that much, so I wouldn't really feel comfortable. But from what I've watched here while I have it on the laptop, they have not looked good. There you go. Halftime line with Miami Hurricane, minus seven and a half. You're running to bet that. Uh, no. You're, you're all in. Just because I have a two-season bet <laughs> that, that we're tracking now. Mario's got this going in the right direction. No, I would. You know what I do because I only bet pizza money. Uh, anything that I'm actually really interested in uh, from a rooting interest, um, I bet against the team every game. Hedge your bet. I say it all the time. Again, it's pizza money, but if they're going to lose and I'm going to be miserable because my team lost or a team that, whatever, I want to win, I'm going to win some way. Try to make some money off it. We haven't even decided what any of these bets are. I I don't know what DeMond's going to give me when I win my two bets. I was hoping our bet is different. If you want to throw some shekels on that, we'll figure out some money. But I think anything that – so just so folks know – on this show, we've, we've got people, not Adam Hill, because he won't be involved in bets. He'll make you miserable trying to come up with a bet. But everyone else, we make these strong statements about whatever sport. But in football, we make these strong statements, and immediately someone will come back with, like, you want to bet it, right? And we, we kind of lose track of the bets. Willie and I did a pretty good job. On, we did dinners. and So John's come up with a, is this a model too? No, it's not a model. It's just a Google Doc. Just a Google Doc. Just some way to be organized. Right. Because I'm losing it as I get old. So we've got four show bets so far. Yes. So what I would like to see is we don't hold back on bets, but there could be bets where it could be two on one. There could be – DeMond might have 31 bets on the show. I might have seven. But we need to come up with a point system. Like the more you bet, the more points you can accrue or lose. So maybe we'll just kind of do a positive negative. You know, every time you lose, you lose two points. I mean, you'd have to pay. You have to. And then whoever has the least amount of points is the loser. So if you only get involved in three bets and say your max is like six points, two points per winning bet, if Damon wants to bet, a, you know, a million, I mean, he has a better chance to, you know, have a positive number, but he may also get freaking buried. What we need to do is separate the bets, though, because then you have to find your line of like, okay, when do you actually settle? That's a good point. Yeah. It by, our two-year bets don't work. but it, No, but it should be by season. So, like, for example, we have all of our NFL bets here. At the end of the NFL season, whoever has accrued the most or fewest points, however you want to deem it, right, okay. then you lose and we figure that out. Same thing with basketball, baseball, whatever. Oh, yeah. No, no. We were, you know what I'm saying? We're definitely doing it by sport. Yeah, so we're doing oh. it by sport and we'll do it by season. Are we doing college football together with NFL or we have to do those separately? No, I think they'll be separate. All right. Our four, for anybody listening who doesn't know, the four show bets so far. Better season, Jordan Love or Justin Fields. We are grading that via PFF grade. I have Jordan Love. DeMond has Justin Fields. Tennessee Titans, AFC South finishing position. I have under two and a half, or over two and a half, excuse yeah. me. So finishing third and fourth, uh, DeMond has under two and a half, finishing first or second. You and DeMond, Josh Jacobs, top five in rushing yards this season. DeMond says yes, you say no. And then the one we added today, Miami Hurricanes win total over the next two years, 15 and a half. I say under, you go over. And keep in mind, this week on Wednesday and Thursday, it's a yearly tradition. We make picks on the NFL, division winners, um, 
conference champion, Super Bowl, and then like 15 props. So those can all be. We'll put those in the, the, so the Yeah, of course. That'll be. Then that's my whole point with a, a point system. So, and that is a classic where I make sure we record it, but we never go back and reference it ever. Yeah, we got the do show's that. very broken. Yeah. It's a, it's very it's a very day to day show. That's why my Google Doc is here. It's almost like re- you have a new host every and day. And if I remember, well, that that yeah. kind of that's that kind of <laughs> hurts my cause as right. well. I'm trying to remember. I don't even know who I made the bets with a lot of times. Right? Was that Candy? Was you know? Who no, knows? it's not Adam. No, he'll, he's never involved. But he will be involved on the NFL picks. No, he won't. He picks every year. He'll refuse. He, it's usually late. Which this year we'll have to have a. It's a hard deadline. If you don't make your picks, you're out. That we're making your picks for you, and you're. Oh, that'd be good. <laughs> and you have to stick to them. That'd be real good. Um, you know who I'm going to root against? Uh, yesterday I announced the, the five teams in the NFL that I root against the most. Uh, Bengals and Broncos were on the list. Patriots were on the list. Uh, the number one team I root against now is the Packers because my team has Aaron Rodgers, and the more I've listened to Packers fans, they really are pukes. Now they're rooting against a guy who gave them all those good times and winning moments. Team I knocked off my top five, Cowboys. I have been, like many people, a lifelong Cowboy hater, but I thought about it this offseason. I think it's mean to root against the Cowboys because they are they are in the midst of – I mean, you're dealing with it now too. Artie Moreno is probably going to sell the team. I don't think it will be a family thing. But Cowboy fans are now in the midst of what could be – think about this – what could be 65 years of Jones ownership. They're never going to win. So why would I, I why would I pile on top? Like if they actually have some good moments, good for them. But I'm telling you, you have 65 years of losing ownership after those first couple of years of Jerry Jones cuz Stevie Jones is going to take over. He's just going to be a chip off the old block. Yeah, He's going to do the same thing. At the very I think 65 if I wanna, years. If I want to stick up for Jerry Jones, at the very least he has done a decent job of putting together a team that is generally always competitive. <laughs> okay. So they're a 500 organization. Yay. I mean, I, they've been better than just 500 over the last couple of seasons, especially uh, with Dak. But going back after the Super Bowl, my whole point the is Super Bowl victories, they are about 500. Right. But my whole point is, well, the Tony Robo teams were actually pretty good, too. My, my whole point, what I'm saying here is, like, with my guy, Artie Moreno, the only thing that I have to hang my hat on is not the 2002 World Series because, you know, that was when I was, like, 11 and a fringe baseball fan. It's a 100-win season. With Albert Pujols and Mike Trout, in which they got swept in the divisional round, like that's it. They haven't even made the playoffs with Mike Trout on this roster. So, at the very least, like that's what I'm saying from the standpoint of being a fan of a team with a terrible owner. At least your terrible owner puts you in position to enjoy some victories. Not mine. Now, I want to get an update on that because I am overstating it. They've been better than 500, but it's the the playoff dealings have been just dreadful. Correct. So I was building towards. I was right. Another team. But they're never going to win the Super Bowl. Um, I'll bet. <laughs> when do we end it? With with Jerry? Or how about this? When Jerry's ended, here's my that's bet. when the bet ends? Here's my way to do it. I, can't, I'm not, I will not be here when Steven Jones. I think we're about the same age, and I'm sure he has better doctors than I do. So here's the, here's the way to do it. One or two things. Because I think they're going to win the NFC East. Yeah. And I think they're going to do better than the Eagles this year. So would you like to do something like that? Like finishing I, position? I don't know. i got to think about it. All right. I we have to play this little shanty bite. I've had it on the rundown every day of this week. Can we just play this TikToker getting on Kyle Shanahan for his personnel moves? 
Could you imagine if people actually thought a coach was good, even though he got RG3 hurt, wanted CJ Beathard over Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes, injured Jimmy G, turned down Brady and Stafford, gave up his entire future for Trey Lance, who he used like a running back, and has a history of choking in big games for the 49ers and Falcons? Kind of nailed it. Yeah. I don't remember the CJ Beathard thing, but outside of that, yeah. I agree. I've actually started to like him less and less. And yet he's got a real attitude on him, doesn't he? And the betting market loves him. Everybody loves him. He's perfect. Real attitude. Good job, Jared. Thanks, Mateo. Thanks to the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar for hosting the show tomorrow. 9 a.m., another show. Throw the flag with Lindsey and Chapman. Live at Treasure Island.